Hello and welcome people. This is Cushing and you are listening to Goonj, a podcast from the students of Tiskuhati. We are back with a new episode and today we have a very inspiring individual with us. She is the founder of the NGO, the Indian Women's Project, which comes under the umbrella organization of the Indian Gender Project, aiming at raising awareness about gender, sexuality and intersectionality amongst Indian youth. Uh, they are also a partner initiative of Indian Queer Project. She has also been working as a story editor for Menstrupedia. Without further ado, let's introduce our guest for today, Ms. Divya Rosalind David. Welcome, Divya. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, Divya, can you like briefly introduce yourself to our listeners so that we can get to know you better? Okay, so um, I've basically been really, really passionate about, you know, um, well, um, ambitiously dismantling the patriarchy in India, but mostly um, I've been working in the field of um, women's uh, rights and women's uh, uh, raising awareness about gender disparities in India. And, and a lot of my work has centered around that. Um, I worked with Menstrupedia as um, their story editor and um, when I was doing my master's at Oxford, there was something that I realized. I realized that, you know, the stories of, of marginalized Indian women um, was simply not recorded, that there was absolutely um, no, um, you know, no record, no documentation of um, the stories of Dalit Bahujan and Adivasi women. And that's when I started uh, to, you know, think and re- really like ruminate about how, you know, I could best go about it. And that's when I came up with the idea of creating um, an oral history archive, which is uh, a crowdsourced archive of marginalized Indian women's stories. We have interns across the country um, interviewing different women and ensuring that their stories kind of enter the, um, you know, enter dominant history. So that's really what I've been doing and that's been my life's work. Honestly, it was... uh very wonderful to hear about your initiative and of course uh, like as social science students when we enter college also uh, what we realize is the dialogue over intersectionality of uh, social issues is very much uh, you know ignored in the mainstream discussions even when it comes from you know mainstream actors who are talking about ideas uh, such as poverty, such as women's rights, all these ideas, when they come forward, uh, they ignore the intersectionality that comes with the idea of class, caste, and uh, sexuality. So projects like yours really give the much needed space for people whose voices are ignored. So uh, can you tell us something about the people working for your organization? Like, uh, is it mostly volunteer work or is it like, do you have a team that is working for you? Um, so pretty much our entire organization is volunteer driven. Um, you know, all of us are kind of doing this on the side or if we're not doing it on the side and we're doing it full time, we're doing it for free. So it's very, very volunteer driven. It's a completely, um, our entire NGO has been strengthened by people who, you know, for a lot of people, when they join an organization that works with gender, that works in, you know, in the field of, uh, you know, um, um, you know, well, patriarchal dismantling, that 
in, in for a lot of people this was personal right um you don't join because um because you haven't gone through something you join because you know what it's like so um we've been completely volunteer driven we have people from all over the country um interns and students and young people from all over the country who care deeply about this project who've been you know going into villages going into um you know different um areas across the country just taking interviews and gathering stories so that you know we can literally try to rewrite history uh all i can say at this point is like you guys are doing an amazing job uh because uh, i for while uh, preparing for this interview i did my uh, like look up something over facebook so i couldn't look much into it because i don't have a facebook account and facebook kind of limits how much you can look into it if you don't have an own account yeah so but i went through whatever i could at the first glance and like i read through it and uh, all the stories that i could see it was so motivating and it was so encouraging to see that something like this is working in india is like functioning in india um you know and uh, all of us at gunj honestly uh, we applaud you for your initiative not just you uh, but also your team for like coming up and working on this and uh, what you. i want to know Thank is you. like yeah so what i want to know is this like uh, can you like give any you know incident or something that sparked of this uh, you know idea within you that you want to work towards this or uh, something that drove you towards this uh, journey on life i would say yeah i think um it i mean i i kind of briefly touched upon it when i was um you know introducing myself but um when i was doing my masters um i was trying to focus on menstrual anthropology and dalit feminist theology which were the two you know main areas of my research interest so menstrual anthropology was kind of trying to look into you know how uh, menstruation and menstrual taboos are experienced by urban and rural women in contemporary india and dalit feminist theology uh, is you know it it concerns how um i'm 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 a christian i i identify as a christian person so um dalit feminist theology really focuses on how um dalit christian women have navigated um you know the idea of being christian but also the idea of being uh you know from a you know lower caste so uh i i thought hey you know what uh this should be fairly you know easy to research and of course i was quite naive in thinking that because when i started writing my papers i realized that there was absolutely no account like zero account of the stories the experiences and um you know the anthropological literature that you just would imagine that we have a repository of but we don't and so that's when i realized that you know what i think we need to create um some sort of a you know um either an, an archive or or a library of um marginalized women's experiences because if i as a researcher cannot find um you know experiences and if i cannot find uh, literature that that draws from the direct lived experiences of women that don't speak for women but but, but that provide a platform for them to speak for themselves then if that doesn't exist then i would have to do something about it 
And so I thought about this for a really long time. And then in 2019, I kind of um, approached Ambedkar University's Gender Studies Department. And I said, you know what, I've been thinking about this. Um, is there something that we can do together? And at the time, um, you know, the department was more than glad to have uh, some of um, the students kind of intern with me. And we started gathering the stories of of women across India. But, you know, um, I mean, it was also the time when I was close to getting married and I was kind of busy with a lot of um, personal work. But in 2021, um, I... I revamped the entire, you know, the website. I revamped our entire approach because there was something about the pandemic that kind of struck me because um, the pandemic disproportionately disproportionately affected um, marginalized women. And that was when I realized that, you know what, it, it is the voices of marginalized women that is going to get inevitably lost historically uh, at, a, at a time such as this, you know, at an inflection point in our country's history. And if we don't kind of pull up our socks and start to document and record these histories as soon as possible, then we would have lost some very critical information, both about, um, you know, women's lived experiences, but also about what was happening, um, you know, at the margins in, our, in, in, in today's day, place and time. So that's really... Um, kind of been my journey uh, with the archive and of course you know once we started getting more and more people involved and coming on board we realized also that a lot of the people a lot of the interns who were joining us were you know they identified as queer and so they kind of formed their own queer exclusive safe space again this is uh, an offshoot of you know the pandemic's trauma right because so many so many queer youth across India were suddenly finding themselves in cis-het patriarchal spaces um, where they couldn't be themselves or where they had to hide and, um, you know, not find solidarity uh, among their communities um, from. And so this virtual group of interns suddenly found, um, you know, home with each other. And so they formed the Indian Queer Project, which is also, again, um, India's first queer uh, archive for Indian youth. Um, so it's been an interesting, uh, you know, journey because what was what just started as an archive has now suddenly become, you know, a movement. Like w- literally within two months, we're about fifty to sixty people strong, um, and we have people from all over the country of all kinds of, you know, gender and sexual identities, um, from you know different um, different castes, different uh, different uh, cities, different towns, and it's just been really humbling and also very encouraging to see that people really care about this you know they care about the voices of people being heard they care about um talking about gender and sexuality because quite frankly at this point i think everyone's had enough and the pandemic has um you know shown us the cracks um even even um more so than before so yeah <laughs> this is where we're at now it was like I mean, as you just told about your story, uh, only thing like I could think of is this uh, line, uh, you know, we might, you might have heard of this before. It's, I don't know where exactly it's from, but it says that ask not what you, uh, what country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. So you're <laughs> like, 
ask not what society has done for you but what you can do for your society and it's not really inspiring like you know our students like when we see that someone who was you know working or who was a student themselves and they came across that okay so this is missing and this should be there and from there the journey as you've described it's just like if it's just like if you can do it then all of us should also come up and you know do something because again the society has given us some things and but the others there are other in society others in society who've not got it and like as human beings we should like you know step up and make sure that everybody can get equal opportunities and it's just amazing to hear about your journey so uh, <laughs> i actually you. yeah so i was uh, going to ask like uh, since you uh, guys started out in 2020 right amongst uh, so i what i wanted to ask was that uh, did you start before the co- like the covid uh, thing happened or in between the covid uh, situation oh i mean we started take we started gathering stories with ambedkar university in 2019 but we hadn't really kind of registered and kick started in this format um until may 2021 and also just to kind of um you know add to your previous statement i think it's easy uh, i think for a lot of us to um you know not um uh, remember and realize the fact that you know we all come from places of a lot of privilege like the fact that we know english means that we uh, have some degree of agency to um you know to navigate the world in a much more convenient way than other other people so um every every single person who's been part of the indian women's project you know the indian gender project or the indian queer project um most of us are people from places of privilege um both in terms of our caste position uh and you know our educational status our class position and all of that so um to be honest uh this is almost uh at least the way i see it um it's really not um it's i really don't feel like oh we're doing something good or you know i don't have like those romantic ideas of the work that we're doing i i see it more as something that that has to be done and that cannot be done by people who are so busy struggling to survive uh that that they that they cannot be doing the the work and the labor and they shouldn't be doing the labor of you know also documenting their history so um and you know we people like you and i we we benefit from the from that that very system that that oppresses um marginalized women uh and it's just important to acknowledge these things you know um maybe maybe we will never do enough right by them in in our lifetimes but it's important to acknowledge that and just be um aware of that um those those are like very hard hitting words like <laughs> i think yeah i think you would have like inspired a lot of our listeners to just you know rethink the idea of you know privilege and how we can use it to benefit others at the end of the day and uh, what i want to ask from your own is like with all the uh, like whatever hard uh, times you had like setting up this or uh, first of all looking for this uh, you know uh, 
narrative and then trying to set up a platform for this narrative uh, what is if you there's some kind of lesson or some kind of you know message that you got from this journey through whatever you have already done with your organization if there's some kind of message that you would uh, you know want to uh, spread across the indian youth um i think a lot of people get very caught up in what other people think um so for a long time i i felt like you know even i was kind of caught up in that rut where i was like oh but you know i'm i'm a person from a privileged position and here i am documenting the stories of marginalized women is this right is this wrong and i i kind of got caught up in you know my own kind of ideological um loopholes i mean sorry um ideological um you know um concerns and i think someone just told me um a friend told me they were like you know what stop worrying about what other people think uh if you because if you don't do the work because of xyz reason then that work will never get done so you may as well as do it even if you face clap for it and i think that's just something that i've you know kind of reconciled myself with i understand that you know some of the work that we do might offend a lot of people's sentiments um we have received criticism in the past and i expect that we will receive criticism in the future for um the ways in which we go about doing things but the truth is that at least now we know that there is an oral history archive for the voices of marginalized people which wasn't there before and and so you know 10000 years okay well not 10000 years of the stretch but say 100 years from now if somebody's trying to research um uh, or you know understand uh, indian society's history better at least they would have that kind of access to information and this time unlike before where it was mostly men's voices um that were documented preserved and passed on it will also be the voices of you know marginalized women uh it will also be the voices of queer youth so i guess that's my biggest lesson that you shouldn't think too much about what other people think you believe in something you just go for it you just do it you know there's no point of thinking dreaming planning and looking at the stars and saying oh i wish india would change um just do a little bit you know i mean you can't pick all all the battles and you can't um right all of societal wrongs but you can definitely um start by doing something small and then you know um see where that takes you from there again like uh, i can really relate to what you are saying here uh, the fact that uh, you know speaking up for something that you're uh, not related to yourself that is not really with a, uh, as a part of you and you feel like you might be ske- uh, like speaking over the actual person but at least like you have provided a way of documenting it so again this is like i just really don't uh, you know don't know what to say other than brilliant other than heartwarming other than just a wonderful uh, initiative not just 
as a part of collecting history as a part of gathering knowledge but also you know empowering people and empowering their voices yeah i mean i i don't know if i would <laughs> i i don't know if i'm empowering people's voices but um the one thing that i can tell you that we are doing differently is that um a lot of platforms document the stories of um marginalized people um but what we try to do is we try to just we we're only people who record um we don't we don't speak for them um we document the stories and we store their stories so we're just like a medium of and and we transcribe their stories so we're just a medium of documentation and 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 the preservation of their stories but we don't necessarily um you know write stories on their behalf or interpret their story based on um what they've said or, or how we think they've said what they've said so that's just something we're trying to do um about empowering i don't quite know if it's like entirely empowering but i do know that the act of um you know um interviewer and interviewee uh, interacting with each other sharing a vulnerable um you know literally people are sharing their lives right uh, with each other um that that relationship that act um that point of communication is extremely um from what i've uh, you know been told and from what i've experienced that act is extremely um there's something very political about that moment because it's usually someone from outside of uh, uh, you know from from a upper caste upper class background in most cases uh interacting with someone from a marginalized community uh and when those two people meet um there's a sense of community there's a sense of hey you know what uh, we're all there's like this oneness um that that is created and i think that's where um true change lies because i know i know some of our interns who you know gone and done these interviews they've stayed in touch with these these ladies they've um you know they've they've wished them on onam and and eid and uh, you know they've they've really been they've really just become friends and i think that's just something that's really been lacking in in india where we talk about you know wanting to uh, to create social change um but every time i start with the training of uh, of interns the first question they always ask is wait uh, how am i going to find people to interview and my question to that always is wait so you're telling me you don't already have friends from outside of your comfort zone outside of your community outside of your caste and class boundaries in spite of the fact that you you care about or you think you care about social change um and that's where that's where the reflection begins that's where the, that's where change happens um so yeah i mean <laughs> that's that's where we're at right now okay so uh, what uh, i want to know from here is um what was the reaction of the women whom you were like you know interview uh, interviewing in this uh, process like when you are getting the stories from them yeah i think a lot of people are like who wants to hear my story why my story you know so sometimes you just have to be like no your story matters your story is important so a lot of a lot of reactions are like that but then once they you know they're in front of the camera and we start interviewing them and we start asking questions 
it gets they start to enjoy it i mean inevitably what happens is that once center is done they'll always want to see their published picture they want they'll want to like see the video and it's very exciting because i mean until that point people probably wouldn't have even asked them about their story or what they thought or what advice they had for other women you know and suddenly there's someone asking them about it um so it's pretty it's it's quite exciting for at least i hope it's quite exciting for most women who get interviewed and another thing is that um many times people don't think of their story as important they don't think of the narrative as as worthy of of historical um you know um reckoning but suddenly when they start speaking and you know we start asking them questions about their life about um about their families about um you know their thoughts their dreams their aspirations suddenly that changes you know they say hey actually i didn't think my story was worth that much but after after the the interview they're like oh actually we do have a pretty cool story <laughs> you know we have gone through a lot and we have been resilient and we have endured xyz trauma and so and so our story is a story of strength and and that becomes pretty um pretty beautiful it's a, it's a pretty it's it's pretty beautiful yeah <laughs> I imagine it must be a beautiful experience for everybody who's involved in this. Uh, but uh, what uh, I want to know from uh, here is like, of course, when you're starting something like this, so uh, it's not always necessary that you might have positive support from people, uh, or like even society in general. So, what was your experience in this regard? Like, how did you get support? Did you get support from people at first? and like people around you and uh, how did they you know react to this idea of wanting to set up a project like this um i think well first of all i i think i might have an echo chamber of people who care about the same things that i do um but overall the response has been pretty pretty positive but now that you're asking me this question i really don't know if um i spent too much time thinking about what everyone um everyone thought about the project i don't think i asked anyone what they thought i just went ahead and did it i did care about some people's opinions people i think um you know are are important uh, activists or um you know who had some some kind of um you know say in in these kind of things like you know dalit bahujan activists i really cared about what they thought and i asked a lot of them what they thought um but i didn't bother asking others um and i didn't care that much about what other people thought as much so it's a good question um i should probably uh, i should probably ask more people what they thought because it's not something i really spent time thinking about but um you know we started in we in this current avatar we started only in, in june and right now we we already have so many interns um and we actually got like 260 applications and, and then we had to zero down on you know on a select few so and everyone who's been with us has just it just wants to stay long term so i'm guessing we must be doing something right um but i yes it's a good question <laughs> krishi <laughs> uh i'm glad you think so and i'm glad that you did not get into the 
you know the thing of considering everybody's opinions because sometimes that's the first thing that's going to detract you from setting on new um journeys so yeah yeah and uh, now uh, moving on what are your future aspirations for your organization like what do you see in the future of your project um i think as far as the indian women's project is concerned we 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 have about you know hundred stories from across the country from women from the dalit bahujan adivasi backgrounds but we really really have a long way to go in you know ensuring that um as many women as possible are represented so for example we don't have um women's interviews from say daman and diu or lakshadweep islands um you know we don't have the stories of um parsi women or um a certain sections of um uh, muslim women are still recorded and that's something we're working on and uh, yeah i mean my my hope is that you know we we represent as many marginalized women's voices as possible um in our documentation work um i also hope that uh, at the indian gender project level we're we're planning on rolling out a sex ed curriculum that focuses it's a little different from the usual sex ed curriculum because we're also focusing on um you know talking about gender and sexual identities um and orientations so we're looking into doing that and we're planning on rolling that out across india so that's something we're really excited about um but other than that yeah the queer archive and the indian women's archive we're really hoping that we can just expand to as many stories as possible and to also you know increase our reach so that more and more people um you know uh interact with these stories and hopefully you know get sensitized by these stories and and get aroused to do something um about the state of affairs in our country right now these are certainly some noble aspirations i would say so and uh, <laughs> of course like the fact of like the, especially about the fact that you put out about sex ed in india it's like negligible people are not even taught properly what is going on and that is how people get you know people are easily made a victim of because they do not even realize what is going on with them so some bringing in especially the idea of sexuality and gender into this i'm i'm pretty sure that this would help out a lot of people so along with that uh, what i want to ask uh, here is that since you have already like as already mentioned that um, your organization is like you know along with recording it for the purpose of history and recording the voices of people it is also with the motive of generating awareness amongst the youth so what do you think like i think you've already mentioned quite a bit about what the indian youth can do but uh, what i would uh, like to ask is what do you think would be the progress of indian youth like people who are joining in even though like you have a lot of people but comparing to the state of india today do you think that uh, it is possible that a wider population would come in you know maybe in 15 years in 20 years and work towards promoting equality in all aspects with the kind of background that most of indian youth has with kind of education that they are getting 
Um, I think with every generation, there's always that one group of people who um, who realize that what's happening is not right. And that's what every, it, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're educated or not, right? It matters how how aware you are of your your body, your um, the violence meted out on your body, how aware you are of how your lived experience is clearly not working in your favor. Um, people, people know trauma when they're undergoing it. And after a while, they even realize that what's happening with them is, is wrong. Um, in, in it, hopefully in many cases they do. And, and I think with that comes this awareness that, hey, you know what, this is happening with me, but I don't want it to happen to somebody else. And that's usually where activism starts. Um, you know, where you say, okay, this is like most people in our organization have gone through something extremely traumatic with regards to the patriarchy. You know, either they've they've uh, been ostracized or they've uh, experienced um, sexual violence, uh, and and so and so a lot of people say, hey, you know what, this has happened to me, and I don't want this to happen to somebody else. And I think that's where uh, people begin to say, okay. I need to do something about this. this. This cannot go on. Or they might see somebody, um, you know, experience it, someone who they love, someone who they care for. And then you realize that, hey, actually, I have to do something about this. I just can't sit and watch this violence and this trauma unfurl again and again um, throughout generations. And so every, literally every generation has that group of people who who say enough is enough. We, we're not going to just... Sit, sit around and watch this happen. Um, so I don't know if I would say education is everything. I would say that awareness is certainly um, important, but I don't know if education is the solution to it all. Um, I do think that access to information, access to, um, you know, um, more, um, you know, information that's that's useful for people to make their own decisions with is is more important than for example knowing the lyrics of Janaganamana. you know what i'm saying like you need to it, it depends on what kind of information um is being received by people um but i do think that frankly it's the youth um uh, that really have a lot of hope um bestowed on them but it's also i feel like it's so unfair because it's like oh now you know all our elders have messed up so phenomenally and now oh, we have to clean up the mess. Um, so it's a bit unfair to, you know, uh, put everything on, on the youth to to labor towards. But I do think that uh, young people often um, are the agents of change. And um, in India especially, a lot, of, a lot of young people are beginning to say, this is not happening, this is not cool, this is not how I want to see my country and my people um, you know, regress, not progress. And I don't want to be a part of this conversation that 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 marginalizes people. I don't want to be part of a, a society that doesn't, um, you know, um, cater to people's, to every single person's highest potential um, being realized. And this comes in particularly so in the case of caste. So until we dismantle caste, until the youth of our country say and work actively towards systemically um, dismantling caste. I don't know if we will ever see a day when 
um when the patriarchy will truly be dismantled because it's not going to happen if caste structures remain in place uh, and it's definitely not going to happen if uh, if uh, the people who belong to a higher caste um, hold on to those patriarchal structures that benefit them and that harm others so it's going to have to start with um talking about caste first acknowledging that caste is a problem in our country and then working towards um after that you know addressing um all the patriarchal flaws um and cracks in its in its um edifice very well said divya and like i agree with the fact what you have said that more than education it's awareness that is important because you can have the best education or you could have no education but if you have awareness you can certainly you will certainly feel it within your heart to make that change so uh, what i want to ask is uh, can you give us a brief about how you choose interns for your uh, project and like how do people apply for it how do you have a training process selection process so that if someone is like interested in joining how should they approach you oh you can just you know write to us on instagram or we ha- we have a website on all our social media you can just click on the email button and you should be able to reach us just fine um we always need people um we are we do have an archive we do have a sex ed curriculum team we do have a queer archive as well but that's a, that's only exclusively for for people who are queer for youth who are queer um we we're pretty we're pretty approachable you can just you know hit us up we don't like doing these overly formal one month internships we, we we really we really focus on building community with the ngo we have you know monthly monthly uh, meetups and um and we work um uh, leaders in the ngo work uh, with individuals to kind of also ensure that you know their their highest um potential their you know their career paths are also catered to uh, within the ambit of the ngos um, work so um there's a lot of focus on you know community building there's a lot of focus on on individual progress um so we we're looking for people who are really invested in this really don't want to do this just because will be another name on your resume which from what i've heard it's pretty beneficial but um we we're looking for people who really care about the cause um everyone here is honestly they just care very deeply about it so we're looking for people who who come with a lot of heart and a lot of passion to the table and that's really the only criteria we've we've had people as young as you know 18 year old school children to um you know um oxford yale and cornell educated graduates supporting our work so um you could you could fit in anywhere on the spectrum and um it would it would be it would be invaluable for us to have you join us i'm sure that uh, many of our listeners would be happy to join such a brilliant initiative and uh, finally like we are coming towards the end of the interview so uh, what i would like to ask is do you have some kind of message for our listeners um i think my only message is um 
that we as a society don't spend a lot of time in self-reflection um, and we don't meditate on how just the very lives that we lead um, are, are, are kind of playing into a bigger societal problem of which we are such an active part and we don't realize it because sometimes when you have so much privilege, you don't realize um, the, the several thousands of ways in which you benefit from um, a system that works for you. And so I just urge everyone to challenge the system, to think about ways in which um, the system is unfair to to so many people who whose only fault it was to have just been born in the wrong place, in the wrong family, in the wrong time. And I just think that that's just, if, if that unfairness doesn't move you to do something, absolutely anything, then, you know, we really need to revisit our morality, um, both as individuals and as, as a society. So it's just important to start thinking about our privilege, to th start thinking about casteism in our country, and to start thinking about the ways in which um, a structure like that marginalizes the marginalized, um, especially women and especially um, queer people. Uh, and that's the work that we do, and that's the work that we hope that you too will um, be sensitized um, towards uh, working for. Thank you for such beautiful words, Divya. It was an honor to have you on our podcast. I truly enjoyed every moment so much so that like I really don't want this conversation to stop at all. <laughs> but sadly, but sadly, we are at the end for today's episode. And again, thank you so much, Divya, for being our guest today and sharing about yourself and your work and the three projects that you are working with. We wish that you and your organization will have all the success and all your aspirations can come true, right? And uh, we would Thank urge you, all Thank our you. listeners. Yeah. We would urge all our listeners to check out Indian Women's Project on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And uh, while you're at it, also please feel free to check us out on our Instagram uh, Instagram at uh, Tis underscore Goonj. If you like this interview, please follow us on Spotify so that you don't miss the next episode. You can also send us your feedback at podcastgoonj at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you.